You are now listening to Memoirs of a Christian Minister with Cephas Crosslid. Hey, how's it going? It's been a while since I made a podcast. Man, it hasn't actually been a while. It's been just like a few days, really. I hope you're doing good. I hope you're enjoying the other podcasts I have out. You know, it's... Nobody wants to email anything. But hey, look, if you email me any questions, like feedback even, like any comments... Maybe I could put an extra like segment, uh, section or segment in my podcast to kind of read them off anonymously. If, I mean, I'll, I'll, I could read your names and I'll cut off the last name or so, whatever. But we could make that kind of segment. It'll be fun. Like I get to read your emails that you sent me. And like, I guess if you ask me questions about anything that I say or whatever, you know, I could try to answer them. Hey, why not? Right. So whatever. Welcome to Memoirs of a Christian Minister with Cephas Crosslet. <laughs> I'm sorry. Gosh, that's, that, that name, <laughs> the name Cephas Crosslet is so like, uh, you, could, you love it and you hate it. I, I, I had a few th- topics I wanted to just kind of talk about, but I, but on this show, I just try to keep it on one topic. So let's keep it at that. And it's this topic that I would love to just talk about. I, I've seen it in every church that I've been at. And the church that impacted me the most in this was when I was working in a church in L.A., and I was, I was um, a college pastor. Uh, but before that, it's just, it was interesting. And it's just kind of this whole topic about who's in and who's out, you know? I kind of talk about this in my other podcast, the, the last episode I did. I don't know, but I don't know a number or whatever, but I talk about how you prove you know, how can you prove to, that someone is a Christian, right? And that's kind of what I want to just talk about some of the stories in my life or some of the experiences I had that kind of lead, that led me into falling into the stance that I fall on, you know? So, as I was growing up and um, as, as a young minister, okay, working at a church as a bivocational or vocational minister, I I noticed a lot of things like there would be different types of people who come in the church and I would notice the way that we would all generally react to those types of people whether in a in a in an inviting way or just kind of kind of apathetic, you know, just don't care about them or or in many ways just kind of avoidance and try to not have them around the church. Of course, when you work at a church that is based in an urban area, you're always going to run into this. And usually, you know, sometimes uh, when you work in a suburban area as the churches, you, you run into this as well. But way more times when you work in an urban area, like in the middle of a big old city, 
like LA really. So I ran into a lot of people that were interesting. Run in, you run into a lot of drug addicts. You run into a lot of people with just um, mental diseases. I don't know how what the right word for that is. Not mental diseases. Just you know, just just their mind is isn't right. You know, like they either have like a dual diagnosis which is like a you know addiction to a drug or some sort of controlled substance and um let's say like schizophrenia or or Tourette's or some some other type of thing that would you know make it hard and my heart always went out to those people e even though I knew it was like it, it's dangerous right to always kind of interact with people like that especially in the city, especially in a city like LA and in the neighborhoods that I served and worked in churches, those types of neighborhoods, it's like, wow, I can't believe I made it out of life. There is some crazy stuff going on in LA. And so if you've ever been a pastor or ever worked as a minister of a staff in a church in LA, like in the city, then you already know. And if you, in other big old cities too, you already know. You run into a lot of homeless people, a lot of drug addicts, a lot of people who who have just, uh, you know, psychological issues. That was the right word I was trying to say. Wow. Well, why am I trying to be so PC? Anyways. And I would notice this all the time that it's like, oh, we don't want them to come into the church because, yeah, you know, they're dangerous, right? You don't know that. It's just the general understanding like, oh, they're dangerous. But I mean, they these people could have been the kindest, most gentlest soul in the world, but we would never know that because there's something about that, right? You, you don't want to go near. You don't want to put yourself in danger. I mean, you want to be good. You want to be nice, a nice Christian, right? But you don't want to, you know, it's, it's like when you when you tell kids the story of a good Samaritan, right? And then the whole time, listen, for me, the whole time I teach kids about Good Samaritan, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, oh gosh. I am just setting up the parents for like the worst, like, like feeling. Because seriously, like you, you tell the kids this story about the Good Samaritan, right? About how, you know, you see someone on the road and then, oh, a religious person walks past him and goes on the other side of the road and passes him. Oh, another religious person. And then, oh, some random person, even the enemy of that person, you know, Samaritan, you know, a Jewish person. And that person stopped, you know, put bandages on the person, you know, put him on his donkey, you know, made sure he's okay, sent him in an inn and paid for the money and even came back and, you know... Gave him more money just in case. You you tell that to kids, really. And gosh, it's hard. It, ma it just makes it that much harder. So it's hard when you see, you know, just people who are different from you. And, and clearly, you know, like observably, physically, they are, you know, not in a good shape. Right? Let's just say that. And yeah, usually most of the time they they do not smell great either, uh, to the point where it's like, 
yeah, they shouldn't come in the church. You're going to stink up the place and no one's going to want to come in. Do you hear the stuff that I'm saying? Isn't that, isn't that interesting? This happens. And it's like people are all in agreement. In general, most of the time, every, everyone's in agreement. Like, yeah, they shouldn't come in because they're going to stink up the place. They're just going to make some noise. They're going to scare people off. They're, they're you know, they're going to eat the food. They're going to sit down next to people. And there's a genuine kind of, kind of fear that people have, I feel. And it just makes it weird. And so we, let's just kind of start there because that's kind of like the surface area of it all. Like, you know, when you think about churches and, and this topic of who belongs, right? Who can, who can call themselves Christians, right? And who do we accept? Who do we bring into the, who do we bring into the church, into the fold, into the small groups and all that? Who is worthy, right? Well, right off the bat on the surface and what we're talking about, Homeless people are not worthy. Drug addicts are, are not worthy. People who smell are not worthy. People who do not dress well, who are clearly, you know, they don't have good clothes. Like their shoes are falling apart. Clothes are falling apart. Their hair is all messed up. These people are clearly not worthy to come into the church, to be part of a faith community. Like it... Look, I have seen it and I have experienced it and I've, I've seen it. I've heard of it and I, I, I know all about it, really. Like you, you have all these hip churches coming up, right? You know what I'm talking about, the hip church. Remember when like Hillsong came around and these other churches like Zoe and LA and then Reality and then all these other churches, right? And, um, like, you know, Sovereign or whatever you want to call it. These all these little small churches coming up and they're hip, right? They got people who know how to use computers. The website's nice, you know. They got, you know, people who are up and comers in the tech industry or or in, in, in their own industries, respective, you know, careers. And, you know, they're making a church of their own. It's basically the same old story. You've seen this story. People mature. They they get a little more responsible with life. They get a family. They want to make their own church and they, they start building. It's one of those stories. And then, you know, these churches are successful. So they become huge and they become bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, you know, when they are waiting for the church doors to open, like Oasis, you know that they're just kind of there with the homeless people right there, you know? And, and I've seen the dynamics. You see it working, right? You see it working, but does it really work, right? You know? And so, like, if you stand outside the, the Oasis in L.A., like in, in Koreatown, you know, waiting for the service to start, you're, sit, you're standing right next to... Homeless people right there, you know, definitely just people, you know, um, transients, you know, and hey, they're just loving it. They're just kind of hanging out there on the church stoop or just kind of hanging out, leaning on the church and people are walking by. They're standing in line to get waiting to get into the church. And it's like you see that and you're like, OK, well, the dynamic here is that clearly these people don't even want to go into church. They just kind of enjoying just being there. But they're there and all these people are coming into church and they're not talking to them, of course. But why? It's it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing when you see it all. So that's just like a surface area. It's like the homeless people, the drug addicts, the, the transients, 
the people who have psychological issues and, and things that, that, you know, just stuff. Those are the people, you know, kind of on the surface area that it's hard for them to come into the church. And so in that sense, it's hard for people to be like, oh yeah, you're Christian or, oh yeah, you know, you're one of us, part of the family of God, the kingdom of God. That's a tough one. And I'm not saying this to guilt trip anyone. It, that is just saying it in itself is guilt tripping me. Think about it. Just the concept that, just a thought of that, right? Just a thought of this stuff that I'm talking about. It's just cringe, right? It's like, I don't, I just don't want to think about it. But it's true. And I'm not saying these things to make you change, please. That's the last thing I want to do is preach to people and make them feel bad and guilt trip them and, oh, it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Hey, forget that. No, 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 no. I'm just saying how it is. It's the truth. And so that's the surface one. And let's say you go down deep, one level deeper, okay? One level deeper. No, 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 wait. What am I saying? The first level, really, it's just the church versus just the whole world, right? The outside world, right? How do you know if someone is Christian or not? Or how, what, what does a church do? Well, a lot of the times, the church kind of just sets itself in opposition with the world. Right, they set themselves that's themselves apart from the world. Right, these are key words: apart. Right, not of this world. Right, you know all, the, all these things that you've been hearing. It's all trendy. Right, so that's in general a lot of churches that they do that, and so they feel like the they're a church, they're a light on a hill, the light in the darkness. Right, and that contrast of you're the light, everything else is kind of dark. You know, and that's kind of that's kind of where I feel it starts. It's like, so first of all, you just need to know as, as a religion, as a faith, yes, we believe in certain core things. And they could differ in many ways, but this is, yes, certain core things. And we believe that this way of life is better than the one that we come in from and so it's automatically the concept of religion is being set apart in that sense so there's already just this kind of contrast going on like oh I am of this faith and you are not and so there's there's that kind of layer that, that there's that plane right there where it's I am of this faith and you are not. And that, that's kind of like a general starting point, right? So a, as a church to the outside world, it's we are Christians and you are not. I feel that's generally the understanding, okay? Then you go in, you know, then let's go to the level deeper. Under that it would be like the homeless people and the transients, the drug addicts. And ooh, we don't know, right? Then let's go one level a little deeper than that, okay? It's the people you bring to church, the people that come into these small groups, meetings, these prayer groups, and, oh, these are friends. Oh, they, you, they would love it. And what about these people, right? Well, you get a mixed crowd. Like some people are like, yeah, I'm already Christian, you know? And, th and this, the, the whole, yeah, I'm already Christian kind of kind of bleeds through every layer, I feel. And so the, from, from the outset, it's almost like, why even do that? You know, like why even 
care about this. Well, it's because even though they, they are across the board, there are different, I feel like, different intensities of all this. And, and in the end, it's really like, yeah, it just goes straight across the board, but people get more intense for some reason. So like, if you're a homeless person, yeah, you know, but even though it makes me feel like crap because yeah, obviously you're not doing the right thing, but you're justifying it somehow. You're somehow justifying it. So you just live with it, okay? But under that would be the newcomers, the people visiting, you know, I'm already Christian. Some of them say that. And maybe a few don't. So how do you know if they're... So what about that, right? People coming into church meetings and churches and faith group meetings, worship service, prayer meetings, and they don't necessarily believe it. What do we do with that? Just whatever? Let it, let it ride? It's very interesting. What do you do with someone who comes to church or who goes to your meetings or whatever and they don't believe in any of it but they find a community for themselves they find like they they find love like a genuine love for each other they they find camaraderie support encouragement but it's just they don't believe you know, mostly in that, you know, God stuff or whatever. So at that point, what is it? Is it belief or is, is it the like participation or I don't know. I guess in those senses, it's almost like if you're inviting them and they said they're Christian, it's like, okay, sure. Right. I mean, oh, if there's like, I guess if there's a reference, you know, oh, you're validating that this person's Christian. Okay, I, I get it. I believe in you. But what if there was no friend and they just kind of came to the church or the group and they say, oh, I'm already Christian. I was just looking for a Bible study in that. Generally, everyone will just accept them as a Christian because they just said so. And you're always going to have one or two people who are just so up high on their horse. And they're like, okay, I'll, I'll smile and nod. But then I'm really watching them. I'm really being observant. And it's like, I hate people like that. I hate people like that. Like, gosh, we don't need people like you. We don't need people like you in the church, okay? Stop being like that. But, yeah, it's that. But what if they don't believe? And they come into these meetings and stuff and you're like, okay, they don't believe. Then what do you do? Well, you, you try to talk them into it, right? You try to convince them, which is so funny. Try to convince someone. That's really what it is. Now, how do you know if someone believes, really? I talk on my other podcast in, in, in the recent episode, like, you know, for people to believe... It literally is like a few hoops that you jump through and then you, ta-da, I guess you believe. Even if you don't, like anyone can be in a church and just lie or really believe in themselves to a point like they actually convince themselves they are Christian. What do you do with people like that? Do you say, no, you're not because I think that you're not or what? Like, it's weird. It's weird. I have a... 
I have a story about when I was a college pastor in that church in L.A. once. My dad, you know, he's he's always like, telling me, oh, make sure the kids that you take care of, they, they know they're born again. And I'm like, you're telling me what to do with my job? Give me a, give me a break. Make sure they're born again, whatever. And for me, I'm just such an obedient son. I'm like, I wish they never told me that. I would have just skated through life without doing that, and I would have felt great. Here we go. So I'm at this place. I'm going around. We're doing Bible study as a college group. And I start popping off the question to everyone. I'm like, oh, are you born again? Do you know you're born again? And it's weird. Like being born again, right? Like we kind of generally get it, right? Oh, you're reborn. <laughs> Duh. You're reborn in a, as a new being, a new person, born, reborn in Christ. Blah, 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 blah. Get out, get the, f stop it. But like being born again is such an interesting thing. Like, it's like make sure they're born again. It's like, what? So I asked that question to one of my members of the college group. And this was a guy who self-proclaimed, or not self-proclaimed, it's like he told everyone, basically. And we could ob obviously see that he was, um, he said he has a mild form of autism. We talked to his, I talked to his brother and he's like, he confirmed it. And we all kind of heard it from his mouth. You know, he kind of blurted it out by accident. He got a little embarrassed during that one prayer meeting that we were doing. And then, you know, we were all really cool with the guy. And so we just kind of all be, was shut about, you shut up about it. We didn't say much and we tried to change the subject and hopefully that helped. But he was mildly, mildly autistic. And I asked him the question. Hey, are you born again? He's like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, great. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, how do you, how do you go at this now? This kid's autistic, you know, you know, mildly. And what I mean by that is this guy, he can have a conversation, you know. It's just he, he has, he, at, at, this, at that stage of his life, he was having a horrible time with social cues. So he kind of just blurred whatever he wanted out and which is, we all loved him for that. But, you know, we knew he was honest. So everything that came out of his mouth was honest. And so I asked him, dude, um, are you born again? He said, yeah. I said, well, how do you know? He's like, well, I don't know. Can you tell me how, how do I know if I'm born again? I'm like, gosh, good question. And I was, I'm, I'm like stumping myself, like, stop. I don't know. This is the dumbest question to ask people. Like, why would you ask someone that? And like improve it somehow? And this guy, is, and, and I was like, okay. Like, how do you know you're born again? And this guy, basically, the way that he talked, it was clearly a regurgitation of whatever he was learning in his college Christian group. You know, you could tell because he said like key words and key phrases that you hear all the time and it would not... He, it, Words and phrases that would never come out of this guy's mouth. Like, it doesn't sound like him. You know what I'm saying? 
And so at the end of that, it's like, it, it, I already knew these were like, oh, these were canned replies. Like you already knew what to say because someone has been telling you these things and you just kind of grabbing those things and telling me. And I'm like, okay, thank you. You know, thanks for sharing. You know, I'm glad that you're born again and you were able to tell me all these things. Thank you. And then, you know, I did that and then kind of, I think I asked someone else a question and we did the Bible and we got out of there. But then ever since that night, I'm like, wow. How do you prove that an autistic person believes in God? How do you prove that? I mean, you could prove that someone else who is not autistic or who, someone else who's, I guess, not, what, um, I don't want to say challenge. But man, here I go being PC, but you get it. Someone who's not in that situation Like, you could prove those people by saying, oh, yeah, we have a rubric, you know, do they come to church a lot? Do they pray? Do they, do they tithe? Oh, observe the way they speak. Have, has they, have they been through a baptism class? And so, oh, we could say that they believe in God. And But what about people who don't live life and see life in the same way? I highly doubt these conservative churches and all these staunch, you know, all these whatever churches, established churches would accept this person because this person wouldn't be saying it word for word or they can't observe it. And I think that's weird. No, I don't know. They will probably accept the person just because they're Christian anyways. But I'm just saying. When you talk about trying to Make sure that uh, that an autistic person is born again. That is like, what in the world kind of request is that? Like, how do you even know if anyone else is born again? You can't. So, this guy, he's basically just regurgitating. He's like, oh, I know that Jesus died for my sins, that he rose again, and that he's coming back, and that we should be in the Bible to, and pray every day to, to just be connected. And he said something in those lines, and I'm just like, you hit every word, dude. Like, thank you. Like, that trainer must be proud of you. I mean, this guy was great. He's like one of the greatest persons I've I've I know. It was as in that in that one day, that one night, I was just like, wow, I was blown away. I was like, man. And that really challenged me because it's like, what do I do? How do I accept people? Because they do certain things right for me that that, that I'm comfortable with, or what is it? And it, it it really opened my eyes. Like, if you want to make sure someone's born again, I would just just ask them. And if they say, yes, they are, I would say, just believe them. Because the amount of hoops that you have to jump through at that moment, 
just to be like in your brain, like, oh, I feel so much better. I don't have to be near a non-Christian. Whatever the reason for you to know if they're a Christian, whatever it is, <laughs> I think it's weird. Whatever that reason is that you have to know if some random person is a Christian or not. What what are you going to do? Like go over their whole history, go over their testimony, right? But, you know, it's just, just, they're Christian. They said they are. Another layer other than that are actually people who actually want to join the church. And people who actually want to join the church, they have to be a member of the church. A lot of Presbyterian churches, you cannot take communion together as a community of faith unless you're a member of a Presbyterian church denomination. That one specifically, usually. So you have to like, and how does that done? How do you... It's basically a test and you tell them what they want to hear. It really is that easy. I married one of my old congregation members and I had to do this class with them because according to their book, whatever, they could have married, you know, a non-Christian or something. I was like, that's so weird, whatever. And I would go through these classes with the guy and the girl and it'd be like, what are they making you do, guys? And they're like, oh, well, they told us they're gonna, we're going to take a test. They're going to pray for us. They're going to ask a f us a few questions, and that's it. And I'm like, wow. And then after that, they told me, like, yeah, they're asking all these basic questions, like, do you believe in God? Or, oh, do you believe in divorce? Or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so, so being a Christian is that easy? You can't just do a pen with a paper test or something? What what is? I mean, it's literally like that when you become a member of many churches. There's no thought usually put into it these days. And there's no like, oh, you know, people just do it just for doing it now. But that's why it's like, look, if, if people, if anyone says they're Christian, great. Is, is it going to hurt you? And a lot of people come with the argument, oh, it's going to make people stumble. Look in the Bible. You don't make your brother stumble. It's like, stop it. There is such a big lack of trust from Christians to non-Christians, especially the ones who want to be Christians. There's just so much suspicion. It's, I, I feel it's so interesting that there's so much suspicion with that. Like, why would you do that to people who are actually trying to become Christian? Why would you push them away in that sense? It's so weird. It's so weird. So when I see churches that don't allow communion for people just because they're not Presbyterian, I'm just like, I said, I got to get out of that church. It's just bad. It's just, oh my gosh. Why? It's a, it would, the, the, the Eucharist is made for community so we could share amongst each other and be built up. That's what it's made for. My goodness. My goodness. Let's take a break. Hey, so we're, we're talking about how to know if someone's Christian. And we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about 
you know, just different types of layers compared to like, you know, with the church and pe- who, who is able to come in and how, how the church sees people in different ways. And I wonder if, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people are experiencing that or they're in situations where um, someone's maybe autistic or has some sort of um, psychological or emotional damage and, and they're trying to come back to church and there are things that might not allow it to connect in you know ways that it would connect with a lot more people. So you got to be sensitive to all that. Who do you call, you know, who, who are we to determine who's Christian or not, right? And I feel like until the day comes when we really know who is a Christian or not, we just kind of love each other and be good to each other and be nice to each other, right? There's no reason for us to not, not to and be so suspicious about each other all the time. Just because we don't look like each other, we're not used to having certain things or people around us in certain ways. It's like, we can we can still be Christ-like. Anyways. I don't know what else to talk about. So it might be a short one today. I've been doing a lot of these 59 minutes, 55 minutes, like hour-long podcasts. I just can't stop talking sometimes. But today we might just cut it short. And I'm sorry if you just enjoyed listening to my voice for like an hour. And today it's probably not going to be that long anyways. I really like this topic. So we might just revisit it in another day. So, hey, let's just call it. Let's cut it short today, maybe. Is that okay with everyone? Sorry. Hey, I'm going to try to have more episodes of the other podcast too coming out. But I kind of did want to just get this one out of, off of my chest. Just this whole topic of being born again and... um you know, just different people that I've seen in my life dealing with this, especially the people who are like, just, just weird, you know, it's like, it's hard to accept them. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, we need to, but it's like, ugh, I have to. I don't want you to go off and be like, oh, I'm going to a church that, oh, it's all about homeless people or I'm going to a church that people all, they're all up and all about drug addicts. It don't, it's not about that, okay? I hope you don't take this. It's like, oh, I'm challenging you and I'm encouraging you to do the same. Never, never. These podcasts, that I, especially this one, Memoirs of a Christian Minister, I am in no way trying to get you to somehow live this life of a pastor. Listen, I am a flawed pastor. I have expressed the things that I do and the things that I've done even as a pastor. And it is wild. (laughs) But I'm wired in that way and I've done my research to know that what I'm doing, I have good footing. And uh, if if you are curious about, wow, how does Cephas have such confidence how does Cephas just kind of know, like against all whatever people, everyone else is saying, I just want to invite you to listen to my other podcast, Manifest Christianity with Cephas Crosslet. Listen to every single episode and we will eventually get to the place where I explain more things, but I'm cle- I am always explaining a little more tidbits every single episode. So listen to that one every day or I mean every single episode. And 
yeah, that's about it. I hope you have a good rest of your day or your week or whatever. Hope you stay. Hope you stay safe outside. And I'll talk to you later. All right. It's a short one today. Thanks a lot, everyone.